0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Gauge on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball.
2: I'm hurting, Zinger. I'm hurting. I did that sled yesterday at the gym, pushed the sled, and I thought I was doing great. Now my neck is all kinked up. Uh, Want to give me a massage here today? I'm sore too. From what? I don't know. I don't work out. I just... You eat fried chicken and watch sports. Oh, man. How are you hurt? I can't say. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't want you to say that. No, thank you. You're a young guy by 20 years, oh, and this yeah, is you're a family. Sick sh- mind. And this is a family show. <laughs> and you and your wife are going on your honeymoon next week, so that's what I expect to hear a lot of. <laughs> Monday, we on. Uh, I
3: was going to say on the road, but you're on the road. You're going to World Baseball Classic. Yeah, but we're on the air technically, because we're not on the road, right? We're not driving. we fly. Oh, you're flying on the air. I'll we will on the air. air.
2: You won't be on the air. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'll
3: join you on the air. I'd love you to be in... my
2: World Baseball Classic correspondent besides I'm going to
3: pretend I'm a big deal. I'm going to like lean up against the stadium with my phone. You and, should, and yeah. We're, and we're, like wear like a collared shirt. Take <laughs> pictures. <laughs> okay.
2: okay, so we got a great show lined up here. We know it's International Women's Day. More on that in a second. Um, oh, what's going on in the world of sports? It looks like Kelly Knapp misses the playoffs at the Tim Hortons Briar losing today oh. to uh, Northern Ontario 9-3, so his rink is 2-4. and four. They've got two games left. Try to salvage a 500 record. A little later on, we're going to hear from Ben Hebert getting set for a game. I don't, I don't know if he plays tonight. I actually do think he plays tonight uh, with the wildcard team number 1. They uh, were winners this morning, 10-6 to over UConn, so they are 6-1. and There's a big battle tonight in the Tim Hortons Briar. 6-0 and Kevin Kui of Alberta against 6-0 Matt Dun- or 5-0, Matt Dunstone of Manitoba. Uh, Connor Bedard chases goal number 60 tonight versus the lowly Edmonton Oil Kings, a game you can catch right here on 620 CKRM, pregame show at 635. We'll hear from Dante DiCaria before 430. We'll also talk Western Hockey League, some wrestling, and even some uh, SAS Selects football with Kelly Rempel, whose son played for uh, SAS Selects down there in Texas. He was a ring announcer for another uh, wrestling event put on by Bret Hart's kid in calgary at the pavilion and then of course he does pats tv and does some color commentary here on the pats broadcast with dante de Caria. we'll get to other stuff here but i do want to mention this this is interesting what do you think of this at nine three 6, 62, 62? we'd like you to weigh in on any of the topics at that text line which is powered by capital gmc buick cadillac the corner of roshdale and pasqua uh our uh you always have to say Zinger's Neck of the Woods. It is Zinger's Neck of the Woods. Northwest Regina, <laughs> right up there where all the big boys hang out. I'm up. Just Sorry, uh, I'm in the polar opposite White City. I used to live up there. I was a North yeah, End guy a for a long time. No, I'm not a traitor. I just... Forgot your roots, met a Met a lovely girl who <laughs> lives on a kidding, golf course, man. and I'm like, I'm going to go live there. I... Right? <laughs> It's better than living in a you know two-bedroom condo, so uh, that's where I am hey, now. what do you got against that? That's what I... That's no, what I no, 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 no. Do you, think just, you, uh, do you think you're better than me? Yes. <laughs> but Zinger, <laughs> Zinger, and I'm not even kidding, I am better than you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Zinger, do you, if you had a chance to move eventually out of your two-bedroom condo, which looks lovely with everything going on there, um, if you had a chance, would you not move to a golf course? I don't really like golf, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah. By the way, what is it with your kid ramming his head into the wall? Do you
3: like that? My, <laughs> my wife's in the background. Don't, Casper. You're going to get it's CTE. CTE. Yeah. Yeah. And he's laughing. That he has, was pretty funny, though, huh? It was. And he has the Kleisinger laugh. <laughs> it's <laughs> he's funny.
2: A, he's a savage. I and see. It. Just chowing down the popcorn twist, eh? Yeah, you like that? He loves his twists. Dude. He cannot go a day without having his hey, twist because he will remember. The, the dude yesterday was 18 months old, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, 18 months as of oh, yesterday. Time is flying, man. When are you having another one? Is that what you're going to Arizona for? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> little well, would Dave, it be, would it be considered an American baby? Little Dave Concepcion? No,
3: hey, that would be good.
4: That,
2: yeah, that would be good.
3: Could you imagine? Oh, that? Oh, you
2: get a, you get status down there. Yeah. Oh, no. that'd be up. Well, this my kid. He's got to get into the NFL so he can get yeah, me down there. Yeah, I told him get drafted by some good team so I can stay on your live in your basement and sleep on your deck Green or Bay something. Packers yeah hey uh, I didn't realize I was doing a deep dive on announcers today and now we're yeah. going off the beaten back I didn't know Kevin Harlan's dad was the president of Bob the Packers Bob Harlan yeah man he ran the Packers yeah he was the he was the he was the president, CEO. The role I didn't realize Mark his Murphy's daughter, in. Kevin Kevin Harlan's daughter, is a sideline reporter. Mm-hmm. She works with him on some radio games. Big big time family, man. Yeah, big time family. Anyways, I actually
3: tried to get Kevin
2: Harlan on the show, well, but keep uh, trying.
4: I'm gonna keep keep trying.
2: trying. So get back to this now, okay? Uh, league expansion. I want your I want your thoughts here at nine three six sixty two sixty two. NHL expansion. They've got thirty two teams, sixteen in the. E16 in the west. The last two expansion teams have come from the west, right? Yeah, Vegas Seattle, and Seattle yeah. and Atlanta moved to Winnipeg. It was the second time Atlanta had an NHL team that floundered. The first time, late 70s, uh in 1980 it would move from Atlanta to Calgary. Then we had um the uh, Atlanta Thrashers with Ilya Kovalchuk in the gang. Go from Atlanta to Winnipeg. Well, now apparently, many league sources, the likes of Elliot Friedman, Kevin Weeks, Jeff Merrick, who are usually right, say there are rumors the NHL is looking to expand by two more teams, and the proposed destinations are Houston and Atlanta. You need one in the west and one in the east to balance it off. Atlanta? Atlanta is probably the worst one that you could
3: throw in there. I could think of, like, I'd rather see the Hartford Whalers come back. Milwaukee. Connecticut? Yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin has a.
2: Quebec Correct. has a rink man. Yeah, Quebec has, has a rink. One. Milwaukee yeah, has one. Yeah, but Quebec has a brand new nice rink, a rabid Canadian hockey fans. I know the dollar sucks, so that could be an issue, but Quebec is on the radar. Gary's got to go to Quebec before he goes to friggin' Atlanta. Like what kind
3: of what, like what kind of mindset is that? Like maybe we should try Atlanta. Like yeah, Atlanta's
2: going to work this a- time and around. And Houston, Houston is you know it's the eighth biggest i think it's the eighth biggest market in the united states it's right by dallas Hockey so they houston a, houston we'd have a problem well they uh, they they were hot to trot for the edmonton oilers back in the day in the in the mid to late 90s early 2000s but the oilers had all those 30 some owners come together and keep the team in edmonton till daryl Cates bought it off them the owner of uh, what is it the owner of uh, rexall drugs and such so uh, i i i would if i'm going to go with the west team Portland! Yeah. The Portland, the the, the Winter Hawks already do a great job out there. They already get hockey. What about Portland? Portland would be a great one. They got a
3: nice arena there. Yeah. Um,
2: anyway, what do you guys think of NHL expansion? Where should they go? And what do you think about Atlanta? 9-3-6-62-62. Call them the Atlanta failures. Yeah, there you go. That's
3: yeah. gonna be their team. Yeah. Then. The, the Atlanta. That's funny. It, I'm good. I'm, it, I'm a comedian. It is. Shut up. <laughs> it is
2: International Women's Day. International Women's Day. in Sports, and that leads us to this. And
0: it is picked up by Nick Marshall. And into the end zone, Marshall goes. And a kick, and a six. It's going to be a touchdown for Chapman Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six time now for another Pick 6 with Ballsy and Friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day.
2: Actually, Ballsy screwed up here. So, Zinger, I need you to just hold on here a second. Ballsy screwed up. I did a Pick 6. I I got it all packaged up nice for you, and I didn't get it to you. So, hold on here. Just give me a second. This is live screwed up radio. That's what we
3: like to call a good old tease. We thought we were going to bring you the Pick 6, but don't get too No, no, no. We're
2: going to. Just hold on. i got to try to find it here. Uh, Portland would be a good place Portland I'm, would be a
3: good <laughs> I'm just looking at the arena The Modus Center yeah, With would the trailblazers Would it be great yeah. yeah Okay Come on Okay
2: I'll tell you what uh, Let's not do that Let's just talk about Some other stuff first And then I'll get to the pick six Okay so just hold on folks We'll get to a pick six Ballsy's fault Uh Henry Burris no longer coaching with the Jacksonville Jags. Apparently, according to Dave Naylor of TSN, he'll not be back with the Jags in a quality control role for the 2023 season. Looking to move up to a quarterback uh, coaching role in the NFL, much like Kerry Joseph, so he's got a couple of job interviews. So you've got an ally out of that the Jacksonville coaching room for... Nathan Rourke. That's kind of what we've been talking about lately, and I've been worried about Rourke maybe getting screwed by the uh, NFL. Now, they got rid of one of their uh, quarterbacks to only leave three on the roster right now. They've got Trevor Lawrence. He's not going anywhere. they got C.J. Beathard, who they signed to a $4.5 a uh, four point five million dollar deal. Some scabby quarterback. But, 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 but he's got two million guaranteed. Two million guaranteed. Justin Dunk is reporting over at Three Down Nation that Nathan Rourke signed for five thousand dollars, along with two hundred sixteen thousand in guaranteed base salary, to a total of two hundred twenty one thousand if he makes the roster. Now, right now he is scared. he's only. One of three quarterbacks on the roster. Teams only dressed two quarterbacks, so just by that, he should make the practice roster. But Zinger, that's not guaranteed money. He's got to make the team. Okay, number one. Not saying he won't, but he's got to make the team. And number two, 221000 a lot more than the ninety he was making with the Lions, but a lot less than he would have made as a starting quarterback for the BC Lions. Wasn't so,
3: it the, like the narrative of him going down there is because he had... Everywhere he looked, a CFL connection, and now they're just leaving town. Right? Well, I will what, tell you what's this: going on?
2: from my, from what I've gathered, he only, he had a lot of workouts with teams, and rightfully so, because he's a great quarterback. And once again, we want to stress, we want him to succeed. But I heard he only had one offer from Jacksonville. It was the only offer he had. So people are like, he's pouring through offers. I've heard he only had one offer. So I'm hoping he gets enough tape. Somebody proposed to me on Twitter that, hey, uh, now that Bethard's in there for $2 million, he's locked in as the backup, so maybe uh, Rourke will get in there, get some tape, and maybe he can get added to another team's roster, you know, because you're auditioning for a bunch of teams, right? Hmm. Maybe uh, he'll get on the roster of another team, and that's how he'll get into the league. I hope the kid gets into the league. It's the dream he wants. He's a polite young man. He is a phenom. You know, like they call Trevor Lawrence a phenom. He's a phenom. He just was a phenom in the CFL. He needs a chance to get into the league, and let's hope he does get a chance, but I'm highly skeptical, and everything's pointing to the fact that he won't. Lamar Jackson, do you think it's collusion? He doesn't have an agent. He represents himself. He saw Deshaun Watson and he wants a full he wants a fully paid contract. Like Deshaun Watson. But a lot of people are saying NFL owners. After Jimmy and D Haslam gave that uh, shady dude, Deshaun Watson, the fully guaranteed $230 million contract, they're like, we can't be doing this. So the C word has come out, collusion. And you have to wonder. You have to wonder. Miami needs a quarterback. Carolina needs a quarterback. Um, who else needs a quarterback? Another team just... Oh, the Atlanta the Falcons. Jets. The Atlanta Falcons, and they all said, nope, we're not interested. So why aren't you interested? Uh, As Joe Theismann said, you should never negotiate your own deal. Lamar Jackson needs to get an agent, and I do smell a rat there. Okay, when we come back, a pick six. Lots going on here. International Women's Day. This is the Sports Cage on 620
0: CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. It's going to be a touchdown for Chandon Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Balzi and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day.
2: Well, this being International Women's Day, we'd like to recognize some of the great Canadian female athletes that either played or continue to play in their respective sports. In no particular order, here is my pick six. At number six, Sandra Schmirler She would have been the greatest women's curler of all time. Her rink won the first gold medal for Canada in the sport of curling at the Olympics. And to get there, she had to make this shot in Brandon in 1997. That's exactly what
4: she's picked up. What What a shot!
5: What a great shot! Now that is an Olympic curling shot.
2: Jennifer Jones is the greatest women's curler of all time, in my opinion. Let's take you back to Sochi and the gold medal winning shot.
0: Well, in the biggest moments here in Sochi. She's been maybe the best we've ever seen. She will zero in as she always does. Here it comes. Jennifer Jones from curling great to curling legend. Just like that.
2: Number three in the pick six on this, the International Women's Day in sports. I don't think there's even an argument. This Next person is the greatest female hockey player of all time. She is from Shaunavon, Saskatchewan. She's Haley Wickenheiser. We're proud to say she's from the wheat province. Hey, The fastest woman on ice comes from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Katrina LeMay Doan won Olympic gold at the Nagano Games in Japan in 1998 and the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, Utah. Like I said, she was billed as the fastest woman on ice. Going
0: into the final turn, Katrina LeMay
2: is
6: leading Monique but Here comes Enfield, Doan driving to the line. The world record time, three seven two two three. 7, 4, 5
0: Katrina lemay has done it She has won the gold medal For the second Olympics in a row
2: Number 5 in the pick 6 As many of you know Canada has an outstanding Women's soccer team And the greatest female soccer player In Canadian history Has to be Christine Sinclair What a great
4: goal oh,
5: that's all. Sinclair, he shoots, and scores Six in the wall. It is
0: over. Brilliant! What a strike! Christine Sinclair sends a gasp around the Olympia Stadium in Berlin.
2: And last but certainly not least on this International Women's Day in Sports, Brooke Henderson. If you were in Regina in 2018 around the Wascana Country Club, you saw history in the making as Brooke Henderson became the first Canadian in 45 years to win the Canadian Women's Open when she did it right here in Regina. Here's her hole-in-one from the British Women's Open. An
7: elevated tee pretty much straight
0: down breeze. That was a nine iron for Brooke. On an excellent line, that's enough. Oh,
4: yeah. Oh, yes!
3: All right, sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781 2090. Tim Hortons Briar. <sighs> Team Saskatchewan's record fell to two and four with a nine to three loss to Northern Ontario in the morning draw. Saskatchewan will wrap up group play tomorrow with two matches in the morning versus Northwest Territories and an afternoon draw versus wildcard number two. We're going to talk some Tim Hortons Briar in a few minutes on the other side with Ben Hebert.
0: Cross is one of Canada's official sports. Here's the latest from the cage on your Saskatchewan rush.
3: Well, the Saskatchewan rush, they're sliding on a two-game losing skid right now after falling 16-10 in Fort Worth, Texas Saturday night. It was a bit of a back-and-forth first quarter. The teams were level at 3-3 before Panther City pulled ahead after the first half, 6-4. Saskatchewan was able to respond in the third quarter, but still trailed by a pair after 45 minutes. And then the fourth quarter came, and the home team laid it all on the line, scoring seven goals, pushing Fort Worth to 7-5 on the season and dropping Saskatchewan to 5-5. Mark Matthews finished the game with a goal and 7 assists while Robert Church had 4 goals. And how about this, Clark Walter had one of the minimal highlights in the game scoring his first ever National Lacrosse League goal in his third career game. So next up, the Saskatchewan Rush will host the San Diego Seals with the season series on the line Saturday night
0: at the SaskTel Center. It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio six twenty CKRM. All right, live from London,
2: Ontario, at the Tim Hortons Brier. It's Ben Hebert, the lead for wildcard Team Number One, and you guys are off to a very impressive start. But I'm sure you're not shocked by that.
6: No, I mean uh, expectations are high. We want to. Uh, we want to. We came here to win. We are playing. Uh, we're playing not bad. I wouldn't say we have our. Our A-plus game yet, but we're in a pretty good spot. We're 6-1 and, and tied for first place in our pool. So still a long week, but a couple big games coming up.
2: 10-6, is that considered a, a good game when you beat, the, was it Yukon Northwest Territories?
6: No, not really. We were kind of sloppy, you know, but, uh, you know, there's some games here that, you know, you're a little bit out of the league of the teams that you're playing, and it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, you got to win those games. You certainly never want to lose them. But it's kind of hard to get up for those games, to be honest with you. But uh, we played okay. I just think uh, once we start playing the top teams here, we get into playing the Cooys and the Gushus, the Dunstones. You know, uh, we're going to have to elevate our game to a new level if we want to win this thing. But, uh, you know, we're certainly trending in the right direction and we're on track. But uh, you need to play big against the top teams. Does
2: does that do a disservice for an event like this when you've got teams that just don't really have a chance? And that's not disparaging them. It's just uh, situation, circumstance, level of competition where they're coming from. But does it do, do a disservice to a national championship event like this?
6: No, I don't think so. Not if you're a traditionalist of the game. And, you know, I love curling. And, you know, if you come to the Briar or the Scotties and you see the fan support from all across the country and everybody from from none of it, Nova Scotia, PEI, BC, all the friends and family and the people that follow the game that come to the Briar, Breyer, the Briars and the Scotties, you know, they're they're about more than just the Canadian Championship. You know, it's it's about our sport and celebrating our sport. And, you know, there is probably only a handful of teams that can win this thing, but for the teams that get here for the first time, um, from any other province get to come play against the top teams, arena ice, ten thousand people screaming, you know, it's a really it's an amazing life experience. Sometimes you only get one chance at it. So uh, you know what It comes with the territory. we know there's gonna be some soft games, but uh to win this thing, there's gonna be a you're gonna have to go through the gauntlet of a lot of top teams and play really well too, so that's okay. I don't mind taking a a midweek snoozer to rest the bones and then the mind on a little <laughs> easy game either it's a It's a long week, so I have no problem with it at all. I love the Briar. I wouldn't change it at all
2: in that way, it's a lot like the Grey Cup where the country comes together to celebrate the sport, right
6: very very similar to the great cup. I've been to great cups and all the pavilions and all the fun stuff. The Briars like that for uh, for 10 days. The great cups, you know, only a week or just shy of a week, but uh very similar, you know, even a lot of the same fans, you know, similar demographic and uh it's uh yeah it's a great celebration of not only our sport but Canada in general so you, i I love every part of the Briar
2: you mentioned uh traditionalists, but uh there are wild card teams we never used to have wild card teams, obviously you're liking it this year, but how do you feel about that
6: yeah I actually didn't I don't care either way i mean i've I've spoken the same thing about it, you know when they changed the Briar years back to have and they used to have one team from the north and they didn't have a team Canada, so there was only one team from Northwest Territories, none of it UConn, and then there was only one from... Um, oh, sorry, we didn't have a Team Canada. Mm-hmm. So when they switched all the rules and they said, okay, well, we have to have a Team Canada, we have to have someone from NWT, uh, UConn, and none of it, and they started expanding the field. At that point, you know, I became more open to the um, reasoning of these wildcard teams. Um, if you're doing... if, if they, they talked about you know, it being equal for everybody. So every single province has to have a team, no matter how good or bad you were, you have to have a team. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think you should penalize teams like my team with Botcher and Kevin Cooey and Matt Dunstone and Reed Carruthers. If you look at the women's side, Jen Jones, Carrie Anderson, and Caitlin Laws all live in the same province. So because where they choose to live or because they play against competitive teams, you're going to penalize them for getting in the Briar and the Scotties and reward other teams that, really you know our complete knee sliders to just play out of wherever they want to play you know then I became open to the idea of the wild card was a good idea so uh, I'm fine with it I'm a traditionalist because if they're going to let everybody in you're still going to bring in all those people from across Canada uh, to come enjoy the sport and the game and they get their eight games Uh, but at the same time championship curling being played on championship weekend should be the best teams And we have the best of both worlds here, so I think it works great for everybody.
2: How do you feel about, um, you know, like a Jennifer Jones living in Ontario but curling for Manitoba, or Matt Dunstone, who's in Manitoba where he was born, but he was in Saskatchewan for a long time. How do you feel about that? Or is it once again what you just said, the best teams get in one way or the other?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's different at the high level of our sport because the top teams in Canada are trying to compete with the best teams in Sweden and Japan and you know, China, Great Britain, Switzerland, and they have no rules and boundaries on where they can live to play. They pick from their whole country. And so for us to be, you know, locked down or penalized on just where we live and grabbing the best players, well, our best team might not be, you know, four guys living in the same city. Maybe you have to snag a guy who lives in a different province, but due to life, you know, wife or kids or Mm -hmm. or job or anything, you know, you're not able to live in the same place. And if that gives you the best chance to win, I'm okay with it. I mean, I lived in Saskatchewan for 22 years. I grew up there my whole life, and if I retire in Alberta here, and I'm still living in Alberta, and I wanted to play provincial in Saskatchewan, I think I've uh, done my due diligence back home to be able to play there, right? So mm-hmm. I don't mind the bur- the birthright rule. I don't. I don't think you're getting a lot of flack for that amongst top players. You know, they've they've pulled some strings and done some shady shit in the past. You know, <laughs> with certain rules and turning a blind eye to things, but. They've opened it up pretty good now. That uh, having one out of province player in birthright really gives you a good opportunity to build a, a really quality team. So, uh, but I think we've pushed the limits pretty much as far as we can go, and, and I think I like it right now.
2: So six and one midweek. Uh, you talked about uh, having a snooze to rest the old bones. I'll ask you personally. Lastly, how are you holding up there, twisted steel and sex appeal?
6: Yeah, no, I'm feeling good. It's been it's been great. We've had a, we had a couple short games early in the week. I got uh we put our we put our fifth in early in the week, but like you say as you get older these long weeks don't get easier, but uh I got our team, we got our team athletic therapist here, you know, cracking my bones and you know, keeping us in tip-top shape here for the week. So, no, I feel 100% and to be honest, if you get in those final games, you know, adrenaline takes over. She she don't matter. So I uh, know I feel great and playing really well. I, I think we got a good chance to win this thing if we can elevate our game.
2: I don't know how you do it, man. I was in the gym the other day at the brick house and I was pushing uh, one of those sleds and I'm like, oh, I'm oh, feeling yeah. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today. I can't turn my neck to the left. Now I'm I'm ten yeah. I'm ten years older than you, but do you some like on a Tuesday? Do you get up and go, what the hell?
6: Yeah, I mean, some days I have to put the old socks on. Don't kid yourself, but I mean. <laughs> Certainly, curling and just being in good curling shape is different than gym shape. I know when I get back to the gym as soon as this season's over, and I get back to my first week with my trainer, and we're doing deadlifts and squats and sled pushes. Hey, I, I ain't going to be able to sit down in a chair either. I know I know that pain very well. So I feel I feel you there. I feel you there.
2: Good luck, man, the rest of the way. Hopefully, we're talking about another championship for you at week's end. All right, ballsy. Thanks, buddy.
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right,
2: today to recognize female athletes, coaches, builders, international Women's Day in sports, and joining us, Allison Sandmeyer Graves, Chief Executive Officer of Canadian Women and Sport. Thanks for joining us again. Just for people who may have not uh, heard your interview when you were on some time ago, tell us what the organization's main goal is.
8: Canadian Women and Sport. Our goal is to create a safe welcoming an inclusive sports system for girls and women, really leveling the the playing field and closing that gender gap in all areas from playground to podium.
2: And how are you uh, finding that here? I know the the women's soccer team was in the news and everything surrounding that, so obviously we still have some work to do.
8: Oh, without a doubt. (laughs) There's, There's a lot of bias that's really baked into the sports system, our policies, our culture, our norms, uh, and that that takes a lot of work to undo. I would say what what we look to that that keeps us uh, optimistic and moving forward is just the level of conversation that's happening it's a much more critical and courageous conversation you know the the things happening in soccer the things hockey happening in hockey and elsewhere those have been going on for a long time, uh, but people are talking about it now and taking another look and challenging some of those assumptions that underpin you know those decisions and how they get made so lots of positives i would say even with the challenges that we're encountering right now
2: allison would you say your organization is um is a main reason why uh women such as the soccer team uh, feel uh, feel they can uh, actually have their voices heard now you know what i mean they've got some support <laughs> now for a change
1: oh gosh
8: i would love to say that but uh, I, there's no doubt that we've played an in influence uh, we've been around for more than 40 years really as the lead voice and authority advocating for this sort of thing. But there are people in every nook and cranny of this country who are pushing hard and really doing really thankless work <laughs> to, yeah. you know, ask the critical questions, design programs in a new way, rewrite policy. All of those things uh, make a profound difference, Um And, you know, women, athletes, and others who are prepared to use their platforms and I shouldn't say just women, men, allies, uh, who are prepared to use their larger platforms to push for change, they definitely make a big difference.
2: Are you finding, or is it it beneficial, or how beneficial is it, I guess, if I could spit the question out right here, to use, like, uh, the, you know, things like... uh, on the soccer scene internationally or women's hockey to to kind of magnify this thing and bring it to light
8: oh absolutely and you know it's been so interesting talking to leaders in the sports system uh, who are really paying attention to the, uh, the Soccer Canada and the, the women's national team situation, and they're going back to their organizations and saying, hey, how are we doing on this front? Do we need to take another look at, you know, the, our conditions and the pay that we're providing to our athletes, you know, as it's relevant? Mm. And so, uh, you know, we're, while we're hoping for change on some really specific fronts, these things can have a big positive ripple effect into the sports system because no one wants to be in the headlines for that reason.
4: Yeah.
8: Uh, and people are really, people are really caring. They, they're going back and saying, we've never really thought about this. Uh, how are we doing over the, on that mm-hmm. front?
2: Yeah. So besides pay equity, what, you know, just at the grassroots level as they come up, what do girls need? What do they want in sports that they're not getting right now?
8: Yeah, well, we did a big national survey of girls uh, last summer and published our rally report in the fall with Canadian Tire Jump Starts Charities. And I think it's really important and timely to listen to girls, particularly as we come out of the pandemic, to understand what it is that they're looking for. In great news, they're saying they're so happy to have sport back. They're excited to play again. They understand the value of sport in their lives. Um bad news is that barriers have gone up because of covid perhaps unsurprisingly and one in three girls are still at risk of dropping out only about 50 percent will be participating by the those teen years they talked about challenges with body image with safety with you know losing confidence in their selves and their skills and really uh, challenges with the quality of sport too they're calling and their parents are calling on coaches and sport organizations to really pay attention to the quality that's being offered to girls And to get training specifically on how to design and deliver a sport that's engaging for girls.
2: And lastly, before I let you go, uh, professional sports, what's it look like uh, for women in pro sports? You know, even at the uh, officiating level, too, I was thinking about that the other day.
8: Well, I just got off Ticketmaster scrambling to get some tickets uh, for the WNBA exhibition game coming up in Toronto in May. Uh, they're going to be sold out in an hour, I'm, I'm sure of it. Mm. Um, and so there's some real enthusiasm, whether it's for the WFBA, whether it's, you know, Diana Matheson announcing Project 8 to bring up domestic professional soccer league. You know, we're all watching to see what happens with the PWHPA. I've, I perceive very good things for women's professional sport and really the start of an entirely new chapter for sport in Canada with the addition of some robust pro sport offerings, which, of course, benefits girls and women right down to the grassroots because they're going to see so much more value and respect for the women's game and so many more role models to aspire to. And
2: I think it's cool too, the CFL just added another female coach with the Ottawa Redblacks, making two female assistant coaches in the CFL. I think that's a great CFL doing some good work there.
8: Absolutely. Women have been largely shut out from leadership roles in men's professional sports, but we're starting to see that change. And again, that really shows growing acknowledgement that women have, value to offer in sport period and uh the diversity of thought diversity of lived experience makes any team better so we'd love to see more of that but you know the gold standard isn't men or isn't women working in the men's game it's women working wherever they want including in the women's game men's game no barriers so nope. that's what we're really looking forward to
2: absolutely Where can they get more information on your organization and if they want to get more information about women in sports
8: our website is womenandsport.ca, and you can follow us on all the social channels at womenandsport.ca.
2: That's Alison Sandmeyer-Graves, the CEO of Canadian Women in Sport. Thanks for your time.
8: Thank you. Happy International Women's Day.
2: In sports. you got to add in sports to it. Uh, it is International Women's Day, period but in sports. I want to give a shout-out to the person that's the first person you see when you walk into the place, Diane. Diane, our receptionist, she's an awesome lady. She deals with good people, some losers that come in here, let's let's be honest. She deals with some goofball employees. She deals with me and my expense account mistakes. Yeah,
3: you're always up there giving Uh, her a hard time. Yeah, I am, I am. So (laughs) kudos to her.
2: I want to give a shout-out to some of the ladies in our life, like uh, your wife, Lydia. Yeah. uh, And her mom... Uh, Christy Rostad. Yeah. Your mom, which uh, is Mary Lou. What's your mom's last name? Harrison? Mary Lou Harrison. Awesome. Uh, My girlfriend, Kersinda Tkach. Her mom, Linda Tkach. My great daughter, Mara. My mom, Marilyn Ball. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, my ex-mother-in-law, Cecilia Stadnik, who still uh, does a great job being a grandmother to my kids. And, uh, hey, the mother of your kids, got to give a shout out to... uh, to uh, Marcel my ex, uh, her too. And um, we mentioned Christy, uh, my sister Catherine Brooks, and Daniela Ponticelli, yeah. who is a broadcaster on our airwaves, uh, broke the barrier here. Love Daniela. Being, being a female broadcaster on uh 620 CKRM. So uh shout out to them. Hey, tomorrow uh in the 4 to 5 o'clock hour, we've got George... Reed oh. And Jim Hopson joining us. Two legends. Two absolute legends joining us. Would it be goofy of me to go up to George and get my picture taken no, with him? I'm going to take it for you, and you're going to take one with me, too. Okay. All right, uh, so they'll be in here tomorrow. You can take uh, they'll be taking your texts, maybe even some phone calls. Uh, Regina Red Sox. He's like Jim Brown. Here. He is Jim Brown. That is the, that is the that is a great point, point. and I love it when you're at the game and everybody's cheering. All of a sudden, they show George Reed. I know
3: his. Uh, he sits in the, the the north end zone. Yeah, you, you know yeah. where he is. Yeah, and I
2: know his spot. Oh, boom! And then people just cheer, and they're a It's awesome. It is great. Uh, Regina Red Sox dinner, April twenty second. Tickets really got. Uh, We're getting snapped up, but it kind of slowed down a bit. It's a great dinner. One of the best I've been in on the circuit that I've been on. Um, And so uh, IKS Media does a lot of good media work there. We've got uh, the Getzlaff boys on stage with me. So Chris and Ryan Getzlaff, uh, they played minor ball. But uh, of course, last year they broke from just getting baseball guys in. They had John Ryan and his lovely wife Sarah in. Mm -hmm. Uh, John has a baseball background in terms of owning minor league college teams. So he... um, he came in, and these guys are coming in, too. Going with more of the local angle, all right? Uh, we're getting some texts in here. nine three six sixty two sixty two. Text lines powered by Capital uh, GMC, Buick Cadillac, at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Uh, Connie from Cook's Creek, and I agree with this one. We're talking about expansion. The NHL, there's rumors, and they come from pretty reliable sources. When Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick, Kevin Week say things, you probably should listen. And... Um, the NHL looking at expanding two places. the The top names are Houston because of a proximity with with uh, with Dallas. That would be your Western team because you need one in the West and the one in the East. And the Eastern team, the Atlantis. Atlanta again. Atlanta couldn't hold the Flames. They went to Calgary. Atlanta couldn't hold the Thrashers. They went to the Jets. Why not Quebec and Portland? That's what I would say.
3: We need to uh, get some kind of reasoning uh, as to why Atlanta is
2: in the discussion, don't we? Now, Houston like, has a why? Houston has a newer ring because I think the Rockets have a newer stadium. Portland's got used to be the Rose Garden. I think it's the Honda Center now or Honda something. I think it's or, the Moda. Oh, Moda, Moda. Yeah. That's what it is. Moda in Portland where used to be the Rose Garden where the Trailblazers play, so maybe it needs some upgrades. I don't know. I think it was built in 95-ish. Yeah. So, yeah. so it'll be right around like what the Honda Center is yep. in Anaheim. Yep. They just probably have to renovate it if they haven't yet. But anyway, no, I'm not in favor of, of the, anything in Atlanta for hockey. Give me a break. Uh What else do we got here? Got this one from uh, Bill Let's Go Nordiques. I like that one. Yeah, that would be... That's a good one. Could you one. imagine
3: that? That would be so... Yeah. But what would, like, Montreal Canadian fans do, though, that live in, like, Quebec City that have adopted the team ever since the Nordiques oh, left? Oh, no, like,
2: they'd, they'd love it. That was the best. You remember watching? I think it was the 80, It was either the 84 lie, or the 86 playoffs. No, but do you see clips on oh, the yeah. ESPN oh, yeah, Classic yeah. when they had the big brawls yeah. on, the play, on the Adams, like, uh, Adams quarterfinals that or Adams be, final? That would
3: automatically be playoffs. a top three rivalry oh. in the NHL. And bring back the baby blue. Oh, I yep. love the Nordic. They had a nice logo, nice jerseys. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a nice. Do you looking remember team. that
2: cheesy old French slash English show? He shoots, he scores heard of it from CBC? Yeah. They 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 called them the Quebec National, uh-huh. and they filmed it at Lake and they did. They pretended they were an NHL team and stuff. Yeah. It was pretty. It was, a, it was actually good. H- Hartford Whalers. A- they showed nudity
3: back. on that show on CBC. Yes, they Come did. on, That's they, groundbreaking material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually in. Yeah, it was nudity. Yeah, it was crazy. Hartford man. Whalers, man.
2: Well, that'd be a good one. Dad, nice unis. They did have nice unis. That they nice did. that W yeah. that looked like a whale. Like that's yeah. brilliant. We came up with our. Uh, because it's International Women's Day we had a pick 6 we'll get to that a little later on again the six best athletes that I think female athletes uh ballsy you forgot Mary Bonnie Baker Regina's own Gina Davis's character in A League of Their Own was based off of her make it a pick 7 okay we'll go with we'll go with her so sorry seven.
3: we didn't we didn't include, include everybody but there's a lot out there
2: Who's a woman just in your life maybe or that's playing sports, maybe your daughter or whatever, your sister, that you'd like us to give a shout-out. We'll do it a little later on in the show.
3: Ta- ta- text us on yeah, the text
2: 936-6262, International Women's Day in Sports. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Roughriders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. Welcome back to the
2: show here on this Wednesday at the corner of 12th and Rose. Kind of a frigid start to March, but we're not that far away from Rough Rider football and lots going on. Off the field, we're talking to a guy busy both on the field and off the field representing the Rough Riders and his old college team, the Rams. We'll talk about both of those topics here with Jorgen Hughes. Welcome to the show, Jorgen. Thanks for taking time and uh, talking to me.
9: Hey, ballsy. No, good to be back. Thanks for having me.
2: Were you a hockey guy growing up?
9: I... You know what, all my friends played hockey, so I was always in tune with what was going on and following them, and I'm good buddies with Luke Shen, who just got traded to Toronto, as you probably know, so, um, you know, I talk to him, and I'm kind of staying the game that way, but, um, you know, I've always been a football guy, but I like watching hockey, too.
2: I want to get into that in a second, but you just brought up Luke Shen. How is he liking being back in Toronto? It's kind of full circle for him after winning a Stanley Cup with the Blues.
9: Yeah, I know it is. It's uh it's kind of cool to see that way uh definitely from an outside perspective and I'm sure it's bringing back some good memories for him, but he, uh his wife was like less than 2 weeks pregnant when uh, that trade happened. So he's uh yeah, at a tough time kind of juggling all that. So Wow, cool.
2: Hey, you're playing hockey uh, for the riders in this alumni game coming up here for a good cause at the Merlis <laughs> Belcher Arena, that nice new rink on the U of S campus. Uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> be fun uh, chopping it up literally and figuratively with uh, some present and past rough riders.
9: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I, I should, probably should head out and skate a few times, <laughs> hey, before uh, <laughs> I think I got a little over a week, so I should probably go throw on the skates and get them sharpened and. Yeah, it's going to be cool to, um, you know, just see all those guys. You know, uh, Rod Bay gets laugh and just kind of connect with them and see how life's been since I saw him in the locker room. So that's what I'm looking forward to most.
2: Yeah, that is cool. I uh, Yeah, I would suggest you get the skate sharp. And I, I tell a story, it would have been... uh in the winter before the 2013 Grey Cup, and I'm going into the Mahan Arena in Regina to take my son to hockey practice, and they got a public skate before, and I see this black guy, and he's skating, and he can't stop. He's, he's smoking into the boards. It's Corey Sheets. I'm like, Corey, what are you doing? He goes, well, we're having, a, we're having a Rough Rider hockey team game, and I'm just learning how to, how to stop. I said, well, don't use the boards, so I would suggest you don't use the boards.
9: I will keep that in mind for sure.
2: <laughs> the, the Rams dinner coming up here too at the end of April. You're going to be on the stage with uh, Mitch Picton, your new quarterback Trevor Harris, and of course Tavon Campbell. You know, a Saskatoon guy coming to Regina to play football. That's still kind of odd. A lot of Saskatonians, some more are since you uh, did it, but a lot of Saskatonians don't go south to play football, meaning Regina. It's usually the other way around.
9: Yeah. And I mean, I get that question all the time. Like, well, why didn't you just play for the Huskies? Well, the Huskies didn't want me. So and I got a call from, you know, the Regina Rams and, you know, they showed interest and I uh, was kind of at that stage when I was looking to take the next step. Cause I was too small to play college right out of high school. So, you know, junior was the program for me. And um, for me, it was always going to be that kind of developmental, you know, stepping stone type thing um, to get to college. So I could, you know, ultimately reach my, reach my goal of playing professionally. So um, I was more than happy when, when the Rams called and I had such a great time there. So many connections, guys that I obviously still talk to. And I'm really looking forward to getting back and just, um, yeah, checking in and seeing some old faces and, uh, the panel is going to be great. I mean, like you said, myself, um, Picton and Tavon Campbell.
2: Yeah, and, and Trevor Harris uh, going to be cool. there too.
9: What do you think? What do you think of Trevor Harris joining the team? I think it's great. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's exactly what they wanted. You know, a proven veteran um, who can make all the throws and is going to stand in there and, and do his thing. And I, I think we got a lot of good dudes on the team. But, you know, you, you need the talent and all those other things, but I think they, we got a lot of character, um, which is going to be huge for us. So um, I I really like our roster. I think we're going to. We're going to do some things this year. I yeah, really do.
2: Yeah, you're not. You're not. I don't think you're as far away as maybe the six and twelve record indicated.
9: Oh no we're we're going to be a, we're going to be a good team. Um, and we got good leaders. So
2: yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think that's the key. How much How much are you a leader in that locker room?
9: Well, you know, I, I try to be. I, I'm not a big rah rah, you know, vocal guy. I try and lead by example. You know, being there early, doing the right things, being on time. You know being where you're supposed to be um, when you're supposed to be there. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the long snapper. So um, there's only so much I can do. It means more when it comes from a quarterback or, you know, your, your, your stud, you know, Larry Dean, you know. Um, so I kind of let those guys take that vocal part and I, you know, do my best to lead by example and, you know, be there. if Anybody needs anything. And um, yeah.
2: Yeah. I had Glenn Souter on the show yesterday, obviously longtime holder for the Rough Riders, along with the safety. That is that is uh to me the most intricate uh, thing in professional sports, the 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 long snap, like on the field goal, you got to have the long snapper, you got to have the holder, and you got to have the kicker, all working in unison and do it very quickly. Like we're talking, like inside of two seconds. Just talk about that, in, you know, that intricacy of the the long snap because you know Suter was saying, hey, uh, Poli would always say to me, okay, where where are the laces? Oh, they were at three o'clock. Then he'd do it again. Where were they? They were at seven o'clock, and then finally. He'd get it down for 30 straight snaps, or they are at 12 o'clock, and the and the holder never had to spin the ball. Just talk about it from your perspective.
9: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's a lot goes into it, and it happens in, like you said, less than a second and a half. I mean, our optimes, times we were in that one, three, 1.35 second range. Um, sometimes Brett's a little quicker if things are going well. Um, but it just comes down to reps and reps and reps, and and the better I can do my job, makes it easier on the holder, so he doesn't have to spin the laces. And then, you know, if Brett's looking at, uh, you know, a ball that, you know, the laces are out, he's going to make that kick every time. So whenever, you know... If people just kind of take it for granted, the whole operation yeah. snap, the hole that's gonna it's gonna do itself. But there's a lot that goes into it. And you know, a lot of times, you know, if a kicker misses, well, maybe the laces were off a little bit. Maybe they were staring straight at him and he kicked them. You know, there's there's a lot of other factors. So, you know, we gotta be on our game to help Brett out. And when we do our jobs, then, then Brett always puts it through. So
2: I think what's interesting, Jorgen, is it's like a quarterback. When a quarterback throws a football and it's a tight spiral, way easier to catch. The receiver doesn't even have to think about it. If it's off just a little bit, if if it wobbles a bit, that's when you get a lot of your drops. Same thing with the long snap. You're throwing a tight spiral between your legs.
9: Yeah, exactly. So you want to throw a catchable ball, and then you know another big thing on the field goals is having the laces straight out every time, like you said, at 12 o'clock, so that the holder doesn't have to rotate them. And it sounds really hard, but the ball only spins like three times. Mm-hmm. um on field goals, so um you know you do enough reps and if you get your your throw uh consistent then the laces just turn out you're just about kind of finding the distance am i at seven yards and a foot am i at seven yards and two feet or am i right at eight and for us we're rated right eight that's when mm-hmm. when we get our perfect laces as long as the the distance is the same and the holder catches it in the same spot they should turn out pretty good most of the time
2: the changes to the game where you can't really uh, line up over the center or leap over him or, or hit him when you're going covering a punt, how much has that helped you out and maybe uh, keep your career around a lot longer?
9: Uh, You know, to be honest, they still come. <laughs> I don't know that it's really changed a whole lot. At least it doesn't feel that way anyway. And I, I wouldn't have it any different. You know, I kind of liked when they were able to line up right over top of you. I think it, it demands more out of the long snapping position um it shouldn't be easy you know we don't want to just let someone in the, to the league to take their job That, you know it's a bit of a cakewalk so i you know i i like it i accept the challenge i think it's it's how the game should be and no complaints there how long do you want to do
2: this for yet, Jorgen?
9: um a couple more years for sure
2: yeah, yeah yeah awesome man well how did you get into it like how did you decide hey this is my path to the cfl or the uh, nfl because
9: well, you tried out there was, too yeah, yeah i was a linebacker growing up and and junior and university and then kind of got better at the long snapping thing and I went to some camps down south and then I thought hey you know I, I got a real shot at this and it seems like a way to have a longer healthier career so I'm gonna I'm gonna go that route so just started working my tail off at long snapping and my third year with the Regina Rams was my last year and got some interest down south and that's kind of how it happened
2: Jorgen, thanks for your time, man. Have a good and uh, fun time at the hockey game and uh, on the stage at the dinner, too, for the Rams fundraiser dinner.
9: You bet. Appreciate it, Ballsy. Thanks.
0: Time now for the cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Reeves to Davis.
10: And the Lakers have tied
11: it. pass. Ends up back in the hands of Davis. And Reeves.
3: Hey, that was a big win for the Lakers last night. LeBron James, he's not in the lineup. They're still battling to, you know, maybe make one of those play-in spots in the Western Conference. And they beat a pretty good Memphis Grizzlies team last night. And Anthony Davis picked up a lot of the slack left behind by LeBron. 30 points last night for Anthony Davis. And he is your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077.
0: We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Loving the music beds here from our producer,
2: Sean Kleisinger, Michael Ball, the host. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. The text line's powered by Capital GMC, Buick Cadillac, 936-6262. TC in Medicine Hat, a faithful listener, has us on his app. Although I'm pretty sure our signal would get all the way to Medicine Hat. It'd be crackly, but it would be there, because we're a powerhouse! Dudes, is it just me, or are we in the midst of the longest off season of all time? Looking forward to CKRM's coverage of the CFL Draft. Thanks for covering the league like you do. This the is, longest was the COVID season. This is the season. Yeah, this is the station to cover all things CFL. We're going to have public enemy number... If Boldy by Mitchell isn't publicly, uh, public enemy number one around here, Andrew Harris would be. Mm. We're going to... Harris going to join us Just uh, Announced Officially this week That he's re-signed With the Argos For one more year And from Leonard Michael Ball's Greatest losers (laughs) List Number one John Jones He is a loser I don't know if he'd be Number one Deshaun Watson Number two I saw Deshaun Watson In um, Bahamas Walk past me At the hotel Did he really? Yeah he did, but I didn't follow. Yeah. It a, if it wasn't, it was a dead ringer for him. I didn't bother following him. I said would've... to my girlfriend, I should go for a massage. <laughs> she, she doesn't get sports, so she doesn't understand. She looked at you like <laughs> a ghost. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, she go. why are you tight? I said, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, I came
4: up just with That's a random awesome.
2: list of dudes. This guy's an all-time loser, Graham James. He's an oh, all-timer, yeah. okay? Big L. Big uh, L. Brad Marchand from the Boston Bruins. Big-time loser. He licks people on the cheek during games. Tom Wilson's a loser. Joe Mixon's a loser. Big-time loser. Antonio Brown is a loser. Oh, Hall of Famer. Daniel Snyder's a loser. Oh, yeah. And Jake Paul is a loser. (laughs) Jake Paul is such a loser. Loser. (laughs) If there's a Conor
3: McGregor wannabe, that's him right there. This
2: guy's not a loser. uh, Dante DiCaria joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dante, is there a woman in your life you want to give a shout-out to here on? International Women's Day.
12: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, my mom is the first person that I'd like to give a shout-out to. I mean, she's provided me with everything to, you know, live my life the way I want to live it and, you know, pursue the career that I've wanted to pursue. And I wouldn't be here in Regina and all the other stops along the way without her. So uh, she's definitely someone that's important in my life. Um, you know, my Fienza as well in Toronto, I uh, lived with my ZNCO, um mm-hmm. in Toronto before I, uh, you know, moved on uh, from the Toronto Blue Jays organization. So, um, you know, big thanks to them. They've been with me throughout the, you know, throughout everything. And my Kumare, my godmother, uh, Daniela Rogato in uh, Toronto and other special lady
2: in my life as well awesome man that's a great shout out hey if you guys want to get a shout out too to somebody special in your life that's a woman maybe a woman in sports or girl in sports maybe your daughter or sister 936-6262 the number to text hey connor is tracking down his 60th goal of the year against the edmonton oil kings tonight um uh this hockey team getting closer to nailing down a playoff spot
12: Yes, they are, Michael. And if Connor does score his 60th goal of the season tonight, he would become the fifth fastest Regina Pats player to score 60 goals. So uh, I'm calling it 60 and 49, right? He's going to play his 49th game tonight, and he's one goal away from 60. So i uh, super excited to see if he's able to do that. I think he will do it. Uh, I'm almost 99% sure that he will do it, because uh, at least tonight, because Edmonton is yeah, not the greatest team 11 consecutive losses They're last in the Western Hockey League With 19 points And just 8 wins this year
2: Hat trick Hat trick tonight for Bedard And then they, they, they well Let's go for 4 How about 5 How about 5 Anyway he never uh,
12: scored
13: 5
2: No, he's never, never scored, scored. Five, He's never scored 5 Let's get 5 Zinger wants 5 Dante wants 5 Although I'm uh, would, would coach call off the dogs If they get up? You know what I mean?
12: Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, the last time the Regina Pats played Edmonton was December 4th in Edmonton, mm-hmm. and they won eight 2 In that game, Bedard had a goal in force for five points. And after the game, one of my interviews that I did was with John Paddock, and I asked him about, you know, how Bedard just looked like a man among boys, and he said it, it, it wasn't fair. Like... You know, he, did, he didn't like, on the bench, he's like, I didn't like watching it because the game was just, came too easy for him. Yeah. And that's something that uh, I think might happen tonight because this is a different Bedard. We saw a pre-World Juniors Bedard. We're seeing a post-World Juniors Bedard in which has posted 1.6 goals per game in his last 20 games and is averaging 3.2 points per game since the World Juniors, since coming back on January 8th. So... He's putting on some ungodly numbers. Like I said, this is an Edmonton team that, you know, they are last in the Western Hockey League with their team. You cannot take lightly. Yes, they've lost 11 straight games. Prior to that, they lost 16 in a row. But again, like, if this team wants to play winning playoff hockey, they need to continue to play their game and as a team. They can't deviate away and think, oh, it's point night. Like, that's not going to be the case tonight. they got to play their game.
2: Well, we're going to hear all about it tonight with Dante DiCari, a 6.35 pregame show and the play-by-play just after 7. Always enjoy your call. Have a great call tonight, okay?
12: Thanks,
2: Fauzi. Awesome. Dante DiCaria joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot. Get it fast at Western Pizza. Coming up, we got a CFL report and so much more. Make sure you join us. And a reminder tomorrow in this time slot, two greats, Jim Hobson and George Reed. We got it all here on the sports cage on 620 CKRM. All right, Sports Ticker 431.
3: The World Baseball Classic is underway. The Netherlands opened up the group stage with a 4 to 2 win over Cuba and Taiwan this morning. And in Group B, Panama took down Chinese Taipei 12 to 5 the final in Tokyo, Japan. Canada's group Group C will get things rolling this weekend.
0: The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. The SportsGate CFL Report: A look at what's happening in our three-down game.
3: CFL Report. Michael Ball with Montreal Alouettes Canadian linebacker
2: Chris Aki. How proud are you to be a Canadian, Chris Aki, in the Canadian Football League?
14: Oh, yeah, okay. super proud. Like, obviously, it's not it's not easy to make it to the professional professional level. Obviously. But to be able to play a game that I watched growing up is really special to me.
2: Do are you thinking about life after football? What do you want to do?
14: Yeah, so obviously I'm always I've always been uh, pretty forward thinking like that about life after football. Uh, the CFL PA Academy is great for that. It has a bunch of uh, courses. They have um, yeah a bunch of courses. There's so much knowledge there, scholarships that players can utilize. Uh, for me in the off season, so I do public affairs. Uh, I got the relations for uh, Canada Health InfoWay. So we're a virtual care digital health organization.
2: Oh, nice. Kind of got an ownership situation in Flux and you got a new head coach. Tell me about that situation in Montreal.
14: Yeah, so I don't know much about the ownership situation. Uh, I hear, I read uh, the rumblings on Twitter. It says it's close. I don't know for sure. Uh, With the new head coach, I think Jason Moss is a great coach. I haven't had a chance to uh, really sit down with him yet, but I've heard good things about him. Um like obviously, it was a bit tough for us. We lost, lost Trevor, we lost, um we lost Gino, so it was two big losses for the team, but I know, like, they still did a good job finding, uh, getting Cody and, um bringing in that Greg like, Ellington as well, so. Mm-hmm. And a few other guys, Shante Evans, um a couple of the us Teller they brought in, so they did. They did a good job overall. We retained some of our talent as well. With, uh, with bringing it in and bringing back chaos. Yeah, so you're getting
2: a. It's a quarterback swap. Uh, you're getting Cody Fajardo. He's a good guy. He's put up some good numbers in this league. And we're getting Trevor Harris. Tell Ryder
14: Nation what we're getting in Trevor Harris. So, yeah, Trevor. Like Trevor's one of my favorite uh favorite quarterbacks, favorite people in this week. Um, True professional. Like to see so to see how he prepares every day. He's always the first one. In the in the locker room. Like sometimes I think I'm gonna beat him and then <laughs> as soon as I walk in, he just leaves the gym already. So <laughs> Trevor is he's a he's a true professional, you're gonna a guy who's gonna be a great leader for us, that's one.
0: From throwing heats to crushing dinners and the occasional walk-off, we're talking baseball with the latest on the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, okay, blue Jays.
4: Blue Jays.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we're talking more than just Blue Jays. We call this Around the Horn. Uh, talking Blue Jays and MLB with the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. We're very happy to add him to our stable of outstanding broadcasters. Welcome to the show, Ben. And I guess first off, International Women's Day, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there a lady in your life or a couple that you'd like to uh, recognize?
13: Uh, well, first and foremost, the incredibly talented Hazel May that stands on the sidelines. And I've learned so much from, uh, first off, uh, on how to be a true friend in the industry with Hazel May, Mm -hmm. but also the incredible impact that she has both within the clubhouse and the community and with an enormous Blue Jays fan base. Wherever we go, uh, whether it's in Canada, whether it's in the United States, uh, she she is as much a part of the fabric of the Toronto Blue Jays than any other player, than any other executive, than anybody else that's kind of woven into the fabric of what The Toronto Blue Jays are Her impact, especially to women Women that have watched her blossom in her career Women that now have young children That are being inspired by Hazel May I I witness it firsthand every day, guys I'm telling you uh, They hold signs They ask for autographs They share their own inspirational stories On how Hazel has inspired them Either in a career Or in something other than sports it's really incredible to watch the impact of uh, of Hazel.
2: That's awesome. Uh, ben Wagner joining us here. Some great words for his colleague, or uh, on behalf of his colleague, or towards his colleague. I guess Hazel May on International Women's Day and International Women's Day in sports. Seven nothing loss to the Minnesota Twins. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> okay. No, I get you. Sum it up for me because I didn't see a lick of it.
13: Was it the Twins or was it Mahoning Valley? Yeah. I, I don't know. Was it the Penn League or was it Major League Baseball? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what I mean, it, it's spring training. There are mixed results. There was some good. Let's focus on what happened today, mm-hmm. from Blue Jays perspective, because it's, it's more impactful to think about what happened in the Blue Jays. Really two good innings from Alec Manoa and then an inning where he left a little bit of his release point. Uh, to the arm slot and he couldn't finish his slider and lost command of the fastball. It's spring, it's his second time on the hill. The pitch count went up. He got his up downs. He was positive. He's spending a lot of time on the dugout afterwards talking to Chris Bassett and talking to Pete Walker. He's I mean, he's fine. He did what he was supposed to do, uh in, in his job today. The bullpen the bullpen was um as scheduled and Trent Thornton didn't have the best outing, you know, again, you know it's it's that It's that time of spring where you get into the middle part, which is about the three-week mark. Some pitchers go through the dead-arm phase, and this is important to remember. You get a couple of weeks in, all of a sudden this ramp up, all of a sudden the body says, whoa, I mean, we're really working now. This is much different
4: than, Mm
13: -hmm. you know, our our workout regimen in January or the early phases of February. Now it's coming up on the middle of March. The body has to really turn the corner and find out, how durable, how that muscle mass, how that muscle twitch memory is it coming back. So um, this this is a product. This is the cost of doing business yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. And the last third of the lineup was minor leaguers and some big league arms came out of the Twins' bullpen today. So
4: hmm. guys got their work.
2: Texter wants you. to know, uh, George wants to know, uh, uh, Ben, first of all, he likes you being on the show. He wants to know about Ricky uh, Tideman and uh, how he looks and, and the prospects for him down the road
6: here.
13: Holy smokes. George, thanks for paying attention because Ricky Tiedemann is the talk of camp. Going back to last year, Ricky Tiedemann was creating such a buzz. Anytime that he was throwing a side session, anytime that he was throwing a bullpen, there was a group, a buzz building around him, whether it's front office people in baseball operations or Jose Barrios, Kevin Gossman, uh, Chris Bassett. They're all watching this young left-hander go about his business but also Ricky Tiedemann is is sponging off of them he has a great maturity and Jose Brios is one of, the, one of the guys very early and can't tell me how he handles himself is very very impressive for somebody that is going into his twenty age 21 season and that has great impact and ripple effects of course throughout the organization but what he does on the mound is more impressive where he is mentally is also impressive guys are very comfortable at this age And in this era of baseball, because of futures games, because of prospect showcases, because of all the hype built around them since, really, they're 14, 16 years old, if you have a skill set, of thinking that they just belong, Mm -hmm. automatically that they belong. Ricky Tiedemann does not have that air about him. Ricky Tiedemann is out there. He wants to get smarter. He wants to be better, ultimately, every day. And he understands the bigger picture and also... He's not in camp today thinking that he's going to make the major league roster. He's not. He does not. That's not even in his mindset. Uh, Likely the stop is for double A for him. Likely it's a pitching assignment every fifth day to stretch out and build the repertoire, learn what at a young age he can be on the mound, and get out there and get the work. And if there is an opportunity to make the jump from New Hampshire to the big leagues, if there is a window, he'll take it, he'll make it, and I think he'll succeed at it. But right now this is really a sense of awareness from Ricky Tiedemann and the organization with him uh, there is nothing but a high ceiling with Ricky and the best is yet to come
2: from Tiedemann, we go to Gosman Kevin Gosman I guess he's known as he's been known as a toe tapper you know uh, a false starter as it were and uh, you know he's had to I guess change his delivery a bit or his approach so he gets around the MLB Bach rules tell me about that.
13: He, he does, right? Major League Baseball is a point of emphasis on a number of different things, and that is pitchers coming to a set position. And this was the poster child through the offseason, and unaware to him, Kevin Gosman, that Major League Baseball had used him in so many examples, but mm-hmm. there is an awareness to it where Major League Baseball told the Blue Jays that, you know what, you got a couple of guys that need to quicken the pace. you got a guy that probably has to adhere to our points of emphasis a little bit more than what he has, and last year we saw it, and we saw it in a game specifically twice where he's called for a balk, and really it was a little bit of an aggressive balk call a couple of times, but the point is here, Major League Baseball, with the disengagement rule, said to the base runners, for the benefit of the base runners and the pitchers, you must come to a complete stop, and Gosman, because of the toe tap and the rock back and forth, it's a timing mechanism, and now it's all about the timer, right? Mm -hmm. You can't use your rocking back and forth as this little timer is ticking down. You have to come to a complete pause for that beat, as has been stated in the rules forever. You just now have to adhere by it. You have to have that pause before you begin your delivery to the plate. So this is just tightening up the rules, and they're being very, very particular about a couple of pitchers in Major League Baseball, and one of the leading people is Kevin Gosman. So the first start... It was fine. Kevin Gosman said it was a little bit different, and it's the rhythm that he's been working on. But game activity is where you're going to work on this the most, and tomorrow will be the next text for Gosman.
2: So uh, Ben Wagner joining us here, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. He'll join us on a weekly basis. We're happy to have him. Now, you're going to get tired a little bit early, probably answering the same questions about the rules. But I'm going to – which player, Ben, on the roster, uh, you know, might benefit from a rule change. We talked about, uh, you know, rhythm, uh, the rhythmic, uh, you know, sense of pitching. You got Kikuchi. But how about another player that might benefit?
13: Well, you, you, you took the air out of my balloon there. Oh, uh, You say Kikuchi's the guy. Yeah, I, I think you say Kikuchi is going to benefit from all the players from the Blue Jays that need a sense of rhythm and less thinking and focus on the next pitch moving forward. What am I going to do to make myself successful? You say Kikuchi kind of uh, last year, and this is the first of a three year deal last year. He was a project. Now it's about production with Kikuchi. He's revamped the rotation a little bit. Um, well, his rotation on the mound specifically with a couple of mechanical adjustments. He's tweaked the pitch allotment as well. Uh, but more than anything, what we have seen now in three starts, three starts in spring training with Kikuchi is a rhythm. And the search for control, pitchability, whatever is happening around him on the diamond. And to his own fault, a lot of times last year for the Blue Jays, at least now with Kikuchi, there is that timer. And there's a sense of, you got to move on. So mm-hmm. I think that is, that is a really big, really big opportunity for Kikuchi I uh, in a sense of one weird way to build a lot of confidence. And I'm not just, I'm not telling the company line here. I'm really excited about this ball club. You say Kikuchi is a different guy from what we have seen to this point in camp. I'd love to see it when the lights go on, mm-hmm. continue to wave the same banner. But right now, everything that he has talked about making an adjustment doing, and I talk with Pete Walker a lot. I talk to a lot of people in the organization a lot. And my eyes are telling me the same things that they are, that they're really encouraged about the direction that he's headed. It's certainly not a finished product, but the pitch clock is going to be one of those things. Um, I think Jordan Romano also will be more aggressive with his fastball. We know that he's got a couple of different sliders. He's doing some things differently on the mound now. Uh, He's trying to be quicker to the plate. Jordan Romano has looked outstanding uh, for the majority of camp. And I think that the pitch clock also will benefit him because it also is an awareness for the batter that that they have to be ready for some of the game's elite stuff coming at you in that fastball-slider combination that's just wipeout.
2: Well, how about this, uh, Ben? Kevin Biggio. Utility guy, left-handed batter. He he steals bases when he gets on. I think he's only been picked off one time in uh, in uh, f- uh, four seasons. Twenty-five stolen bases. Maybe with the sh- the you know the shift, he can he can squeak one through and you know limited shifts. And maybe it'll work for him.
13: Most important year of Kevin Vigio's career this season. Uh, really big turning point. They got the uh, arbitration deal done with the contract ahead of time. How his versatility and utility figures into the plan for the Blue Jays is paramount. Uh, he has a great eye at the plate. He has a better understanding now as well where he fits in the scenarios of, of the Blue Jays and how they construct their lineup. The biggest thing that he had to do is embrace the fact that he's not going to be the everyday second baseman, but he has the ability to play potentially seven different positions in seven different days. Uh, that's pretty much how it's (laughs) paraphrased to me from the offseason. You know, like, Kevin, you're good at second base. You can back up Vlad at first base. If we need you in a pinch, you can play third base. We know you can play all three outfield positions. He's like, cool, let's go. It's going to keep me in the big leagues every day. If I'm healthy, I can get out there and I can produce. And, again, so much focus over the last two years about being more left-handed, about lengthening that lineup. Um, And Kevin understands now especially with Kevin Kiermeyer, Dalton Barshow, and Brandon Belt, if he is in the lineup or he's available off the bench, this is a much different attack from an opponent perspective, too. So he's going to be pitched differently with the balance of this lineup and the length of the lineup. So it's good news for Kevin, and it's good news for the Blue Jays.
2: Okay, one of your colleagues. We'll get into Guerrero. we got lots of time to do that. Uh, but I want to get a, a, a quick comment with a minute left here. Dave Wills, uh Voice of the Tampa Bay Rays called a spring training game last weekend and unfortunately went home and uh, unexpectedly passed away a week shy of his 59th birthday and three weeks shy of the start of the season. Just your thoughts on Dave Wills.
13: Just absolutely gut wrenching news to wake up to on Sunday. Um, you know, my first job in baseball is because of one of the three guys that are on the broadcast crew of the Tampa Bay Rays. The longtime pre and post host, Neil Solance, hired me. And got me very quickly introduced to Dave and Andy. Andy was a New Jersey guy, so uh, more than anything, there's such a close fraternity of the broadcasters. But from a pre- professional standpoint, on top of the personal connection to Dave and Andy, those guys are synonymous with Rays baseball. For 18 years, Dave and Andy were part of the broadcast crew, and Dave Wells, who had a great personality, a huge presence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> an, alarming, an alarming sense of humor at times, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they are going to be missed together. And nobody is more heartbroken than those closely connected with the broadcast booth. Um, and, and Dave, you know, had a little episode when we were all together in Toronto. You know, he went back to the hotel after a ball game, felt a little pressure in his chest, thought he was having a heart attack, spent a couple of extra days out of that series, got healthier at Toronto General. You know, and we were all very closely tied to that. And as it was developing and respecting his and his family's privacy at the same time, along with the race, until he got back on his feet. But we were very aware of what was going on. So this really hits close to home for me. Uh, But one thing that, you know, he gave me an appreciation of one, how quickly you can connect with a passionate fan base, like he he was able to do. Mm -hmm. He was a grinder like I was. You know, he had to really fight and claw for every opportunity he had in his career I was a minor leaguer for 14 years uh, salivating at an opportunity to call a major league baseball game and I hit the lottery when I got this job so you know he gave me a sense of appreciation of, of doing that right away and how to appreciate it but also he gave me a sense of appreciation of a different way of looking at the ba- game of baseball the Tampa Bay Rays have re- been trying to reinvent the wheel right and at times been accused too crossly of doing that but What Dave and Andy were able to do is connect with people in the front office, connect with people on the field, and understand the version that Rays baseball should be, and then relay that to their fan base. So it helped make a smarter and more trusting and, I think, appreciative fan base. And that conduit from the field, from the front office, was the radio broadcast. Two guys, uh, and specifically Dave, who worked his ass off each and every day in connecting on an analytical level but also on a personal level with everybody that he associated himself with and for that impact I'm forever grateful.
2: Well that was uh, well put uh, thanks for uh, relaying those stories man and thanks for coming on again we'll talk to you next Wednesday okay
13: Hey it's my pleasure we're
2: winding down mm, I know and we're oh, and we're boy. getting re- and we're getting ready to ramp up so I can't wait Ben Wagner joining us around the horn here on the sports cage on 620 CKRM.
0: You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to
2: The Cage, 936-6262, the number to text. You can text us uh, your favorite female in your life, in the sporting world, maybe your sister, maybe if you're a coach, it's a player. And we will uh, definitely pass along accolades to them on International Women's Day. Connor Bedard enters tonight's action chasing goal number sixty against the lowly Edmonton Oil Kings. As you heard from Dante DeCary, if he gets it, he'll be the fifth uh, fastest pat to get sixty goals. Uh, pregame show six thirty-five. Play-by-play at seven. NHL expansion league sources reportedly denying a rumor but Sportsnet insiders Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick along with Kevin Weeks the former NHL goalie say there's something to the rumors and usually when those people say something there is. Now there's talk that the league's going to expand by uh, two teams and Houston and Atlanta were tops on the radar. That's too many teams Well 34 whatever but I will say this. Come on. The league is watered down as it is. I'm watching some of these I'm sorry he might be well-liked and everything, but I'm watching Devin Shore play for the Oilers, for instance, and I'm like, I don't want to be old man yelling at Cloud, but that guy would never play in a 21-team league like it used to be back in the day when I first met hockey. He's not very hockey. good, is he, that guy? Well, there's a lot of guys like that. I'm not just picking him out. Take, take half of the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Like... And we're going to add two more teams. And one of the areas is Atlanta. Okay, wait a minute. I know, Gary, you weren't around for the first one, but you were around for the second one. Atlanta Flames became the Calgary Flames in 1980 when they didn't even have an NHL rink. They had to go to the... um, Calgary Corral, where the boards were like six feet tall. Google, That's where
3: Stampede Wrestling
2: was, yeah, not YouTube, it? do yourself a favor and YouTube, just punch in Edmonton Oilers Calgary Flames 1983 playoffs on YouTube, and you will see how pathetic that rink was. It was a dump, okay? But Calgary did a great job supporting that team, and still to this day, they need a new rink, by the way. Um... And then the Thrashers went to Winnipeg, and you reluctantly put them in Winnipeg, Gary, after the Jets went to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back to Atlanta again? How about Quebec City in the east? And if you want to try Houston, fine. Eighth biggest market, big for TV, I get that part of it. Although I would say from a fan perspective, probably better chance in Portland. Um, So there's that. But Quebec City, like, come on, man. Quebec City, and Portland One
3: in the east One in the west So I think those are the two but best But not
2: Atlanta And maybe no. not anything It's watered It is absolutely watered I down. want expansion In Major League Baseball Okay where
3: we would you go We haven't seen that Since what 98 with the Diamondbacks And Rays Where would you go Expansion Major League Baseball I think uh, Charlotte Charlotte okay. North Carolina mm-hmm. Would be a good spot and Maybe Nashville Tennessee Nashville and Montreal Yeah Portland as well. They need a ballpark. They need a
2: ballpark, though. Does Charlotte have a ballpark? No.
3: They have a AAA, or they have, okay. a, they have a nice Nashville minor has league.
2: A, Nashville has a ballpark, Yeah,
3: both those teams have uh, minor league facilities, but they, they would need major league facilities, mm-hmm. right? But
2: I mean, Oakland's gonna move. Oak, you know, Oakland will going to move. They're going to Vegas. Oakland will move before they get expansion, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, what do you think of expansion in the NHL? Uh nine three six sixty two sixty two. Remember when Wild Bill Hunter? You wouldn't because you weren't alive. But in 1983, he wanted to move them to Saskatchewan.
3: Yeah. Brandon's on the text line says, My fav- uh, favorite woman in sports is Daniela Ponticelli. Oh. She does an amazing job and super nice hmm. uh, to my daughter, my brother, and me uh, listening at work. Well, we like, Jordan uh, says hi. Hi.
2: We like Daniela Ponticelli because she broke the barrier in sports broadcasting here on 620 CKRM, Voice of the Rams. First time we had a woman on our rider broadcast. We're very happy to have her. She's a freelance broadcaster, doing a lot of Can West stuff and working for the riders too. So yeah, she'll be back for another year here at Harvard Broadcasting. When we come back, public enemy number, well, if Bull Levi Mitchell's number one, this guy's 1B. Andrew Harris joins us on the sports cage here on 620 CK.
0: Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Gage with your host, Michael Ball.
2: All right, joined now on the Western Pizza Hotline by a guy who would be considered as probably public enemy number one around these parts because he's been a rider killer for a long time, Andrew Harris. Andrew, thanks for joining me. I'll tell you what, I had to double-check myself as voice of the Rough Riders. I'm sitting there at the Grey Cup, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we got... Andrew Harris, who has killed the Riders against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who I absolutely detest, even though there's a few guys in the team I like. Uh, you'd be one of them, Dembski, uh, Richie Hall. I found myself cheering for Andrew Harris. How sweet was it? It's sweet to win a Grey Cup anyway, but how about winning it in Regina, where you uh, haunted the Riders so many times?
7: Yeah, it was pretty special, man. I mean, uh, I've never felt like I've ever gotten, had any many, many cheers in that stadium, but uh there was a lot of green uh, cheer for the Argos that day, which is which is pretty cool. So um, yeah, definitely always always a great and experience and environment um, over there. And and you know to, to to cap it off, beating beating Winnipeg was 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 pretty special and a day I'll never forget.
2: Oh my God, you couldn't have written a better uh, script. Was it kind of bittersweet or was it all sweet? I mean, you had friends over on that other sideline too.
7: Yeah, I mean uh, there was no bitterness about it at all. It was definitely all sweet. Um, you know, the only thing that was better was, you know, definitely some of my my friends and family that were, you know, still still, you know, fans of myself and happy for me, but uh obviously big, big bomber fans as well too. Um but I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, uh yeah, that's that's pro sports. You're not always gonna be able to play for um your home team, um, uh, you know, over your whole career or or at all for that matter. So, um you just gotta build it all the punches and you know, people get that, and and you know, it, it was a really cool experience. Though, uh, I'll tell you that much for sure.
2: You got to pinch yourself, man. You came from junior football, where you know some guys are coming, and you're kind of a trailblazer to open people's eyes in some respects. But you come from junior football, BC, Winnipeg, Toronto. Uh, probably uh, right there is the greatest Canadian running back in CFL history.
7: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been an amazing journey, and and um, I mean, I I, if I look back to where I started. Um, you know how how things kind of played out, and um, and, and where things are going, and, and and you know even for myself after after this season, you know I'm going back to junior football to, to coach, um, and be a part of the team that that got me to where I'm at today. So it's pretty special to be able to go full circle. Um, it's pretty special to you know you know carve out you know 13 14 years in in the CFL after you know just wanting to come and you know hopefully just be a special teams player. You know, and uh, you know, to, to become a starter and 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 you know, win as much as we as, as I have, as successful as I have, um, it's definitely been uh, a surreal feeling and um, something I really honestly haven't really even accepted for myself yet. But uh, you know, I'm just enjoying the journey, enjoying the ride, and um, you know, just taking it day by day.
2: Andrew, I, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I, I was uh, kind of shocked when I th- uh, heard you were coming back. I thought, okay, here's a guy, uh, goes to Toronto after uh, you know uh, not being re-signed by his uh, hometown team, beats his hometown team like you just described. I thought maybe you'd go out on top. What brings you back?
7: I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still going to be going out on top of my eyes. I mean, um, I'm controlling my, my destiny here. Um, going out on my own terms, um, I've come out and said, you know, after this season it will, it will be my last, um, you know, and and you know, I, I after after the season was over the, and the Great couple... you know, I wanted to just enjoy that, and and honestly, I was probably seventy percent certain I was going to retire, um, but uh, you know, I had some different options for myself, kind of, um, you know, as far as life after football, and uh, as I as I kind of watched. More guys getting signed to to the to the Argos and um, you know started to get moving around a bit more and you know I said you know what why not just go back for for one more you know and 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 my, my and now I'm saying it's my my strides for five five great Cups so I mean for me um, um, it's all about timing and, and doing certain things and I have a, I really have my plan kind of mapped out for for what's next for me next year um, a- after this season and uh, I just wanted another year to kind of get organized and uh and also just you know put put my best foot forward to to trying to get one more cup so um i'm trying to get them thing stone you know mm-hmm. all, all five fingers covered and uh <laughs> you know that'd be pretty special as well so i mean you, you can never you can never i mean going into a season you can always hope for to, to win the great cup but you know um you know i know better than anyone about how hard it is to actually do that even with the success i've had doing it but uh yeah, it, it, it's definitely tough, but I think, you know, we had the nucleus of the right guys in the locker room in Toronto, and I felt, felt like, uh, you know, I built some great great relationships and bonds, and, and you know, I wanted to just see it for one more year.
2: McLeod Bethel-Thompson leaves. There's a bit of a void in the leadership, but... Maybe not, because I heard, and it's it's been documented now, you were a driving force in keeping that locker room together and kind of maybe a turbulent, se- a turbulent time in the season. Ain't ne- nothing goes perfectly, especially in a championship season. There's ups and there's downs. My question for you, Andrew Harris, have you always been a leader? Do you learn to be a leader? And is that part of the reason maybe you're staying on? It's kind of on-the-job training, uh, you know, to build that leadership in the locker room, which will trans- uh, transfer to being a head coach out in the BCFC.
7: Yeah, I, th- I think I've always, honestly always been a bit of a natural leader um, just even when I was younger. Um, but I think I think this year I definitely grew a lot more into my own in that aspect and, and you know um, just with the dynamic of the team and you know uh, the different moving pieces and um, you know it, it, and, and being hurt too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, time, the times I've been, the times've been times I've been hurt and, and, and been away from the team, um you know I've kind of just focused on getting healthy where this 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 time around I knew I was going to be out for an extended period of time and really took it upon myself to embed myself within coaching staff and understand what they're doing um also just uh, get get to know my players and side of the ball and, and and try to build and, and form relationships that way so from from the standpoint of sticking around and and being in the locker room with them every day and meeting rooms and um, yeah, it, it definitely boded, boded well from, from a leadership standpoint and I grew I grew so much more as a person and, and as a player and as a leader this year than I ever have.
2: Have you always wanted to be a coach? Like what you know, is that something you've always wanted to do?
7: Honestly, I, I never thought I'd want to do this up until last year and, and honestly that's that was a big driving force for me wanting to think about this was was this um you know, this this, this season um, you know, and how things kinda of played out. And uh, and I mean I had had some opportunities to to as a coach in the CFL as a positional coach and I figured you know you know that 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 kind of stuff's always going to be there but uh, this junior opportunity for me is, is something I want to come come back to get my grassroots um, feeling of you know wh- wh- where it started where 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 I got my kickstart and my um, you know my jump into the, the CFL and you know I, I think it's pretty special to be able to impact yeah, some young men and, and, you know, kind of get them on the right path and, and doing the right things. whether it's, you know, getting their lives started, you know, as young men, um, you know, off the field, you know, whether it's, you know, trying to get them to the CIS ranks and, and you know, on, on a, in a starting position, or whether it's whether it's making a jump to the CFL. I think there's been less and less players from junior kind of making that jump, and, I, and I'd like to see that kind of get ramped back up and, and get more guys you know, better from the junior ranks. You know, playing playing in the league just like I did.
2: You're a perfect example of the C in the CFL. What kind of uh, what kind of message do you have for a young football player listening to Andrew Harris, great Canadian running back?
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the thing uh, the thing for me was, you know, everyone always told me, um, you know, even even when I was coming out of high school, that I coaches told me to switch my position. Uh, you know, there's no there's no running backs in the, in the CFL. You should play DB or receiver. Um, you know, even when I came up, I was you know too small, too um, to two two weeks. Uh, you know, not fast enough. Uh, you know, too Canadian. Um, you know, <laughs> so there, there was there was so many different obstacles, and and um, I think the biggest message here is, is if, if you really believe in something and, and you wanna and you wanna achieve it, it's really up to you. And um and don't, do it until you uh, don't be denied. Is what basically, what I'm saying is keep keep going until you can't be denied. And um, you know, just just keep on your best foot forward with a good attitude um and good things will happen
2: are you going to uh stop and smell the roses this year like i mean uh, you're going to every city who knows if you'll be honored in every city because you are that impactful but are you gonna uh, make a point to stop and smell the roses like when the argos play in winnipeg and that type of thing
7: yeah absolutely i think this year is going to def- definitely be a more of a, an appreciation year for me um you know I'm definitely going to take everything in a lot more i'm not going to rush anything at all um throughout my throughout this season and just enjoy it and um i mean and, and it's a beautiful thing man like the career i've had um really and truly I've, i'm truly that blessed and um again it's it's amazing to be able to go out on your own uh accord and be like okay i know this is my last year and i'm going to enjoy this um going to play my heart out and and you know do what i can to to help us win games and 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 help us be successful on and off the field and uh and just enjoy enjoy every moment i can
2: Andrew Harris, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Uh, have a good last go around.
7: Oh, Again, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Saskatchewan's best coverage of
0: the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty six twenty CKRM. This International Women's
2: Day in sports, we head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Speak with our friend Claire Dore over at Belpher. How are you today, Claire?
1: I'm well. How are you?
2: You great. You're the definition of a, a woman in sport. Played for the ride. Still playing some uh, flag football. But uh, you're coaching. You coached. Uh, you know, coached elite level uh, boys at uh, in football, and of course, you're coaching high school football, senior girls basketball. Uh, what a life you've had in sports.
1: I, I do try and uh, use my skills for good and keep myself busy to keep myself out of trouble for sure.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's a nice admission there. What do you love about coaching uh, sports?
1: You know, it's just the special bond you, you have with the athletes and, and you see the athletes have with each other as you're, as you're all working together to a common goal. And it, it, there's just nothing that can beat that.
2: Did you get instant respect as a coach in the, in the world of football in particular?
1: Um, I think there's, there's always a, you know, you have to, you have to give respect to earn respect and you have to prove yourself. Um, I think everybody I worked with was, was open to me as a female coach. Um, but it's taken time for me to sort of earn my stripes and have people recognize me, uh, for the skill sets I bring to a team.
5: Was
2: there a moment when you thought, okay, now I'm respected. Was there any particular moment or situation?
1: Uh, you know, I, I would say I've been very lucky in that respect, like I said, that that all the teams I've worked with and all the people that I've talked to um, recognized my previous coaching before I got into football and, and saw me already as a as a higher level coach uh, in terms of a specific moment. Oh, I'm not sure if I could identify just one, but there've been many uh, mentors and coaches along the way um, who have shown me uh, great respect and that um, I, I am right where I belong.
2: What makes you a good coach, regardless of your gender?
1: Um, I, I just finished saying this on a Sask Sport interview. I think it's the passion that I have. It's the, the dedication that I have for myself to always improve um, and that I'm, as I'm asking my athletes to do that, I'm, I'm always doing the same. And so while it's not necessarily athletically anymore, I, I hope that it's that I'm leading by example that that desire and that want to get better is what makes us the most successful.
2: From your perspective, being wrapped up in sports, regardless of the sport, are things getting better for girls and women in sports?
1: Um, I think the opportunities are growing as we see, right? Last year was our first ever U18 Women's Nationals and we're heading back out to Ottawa to compete in that event again with more teams in it. So um, there are certainly opportunities starting to arise, um, but we know statistically not as many young women are are staying in sport or or joining sport. So as much as we're seeing some channels advance, there is still a lot of work to be done in terms of um, that equity piece and equality piece and just the sheer number of, of humans that are involved in all sport.
2: What do you think needs to be done to make girls, women feel more comfortable and want to be in sport? Because sport is great for anybody.
1: Absolutely, and I think it starts with access at a young age. I think it, it, it uh, comes with a lot of the work that's being done in terms of uh, feeling safe in sport and inclusion in sports. And there's that really important critical time that we need to make sure that women feel that uh, despite... Uh, changes that are happening, that they have a place in sport, and and that, uh, you know, the other females that that are with me, leading the charge so that they can see uh, more women continuing to to find success through the avenue of sport.
2: Claire Doré, do you embrace the role model uh, aspect of it?
1: Um, Well, this wasn't really how I set out for things to do, but as an example, being on the radio with you, I think it's important that people can hear my voice and see my picture and recognize what's being done. So, like, right you hear all the time see it to believe it and so I, I guess at this point I have accepted that this is part of the job that I have to do to make sure that opportunities continue to exist for other women
2: two more quick questions for you do you have a, a desire to go to professional football we look at two now assistant coaches in the CFL one played for the Valkyries you just got hired in Ottawa and of course uh, we had Tanya Walter originally with the BC Lions
1: um you know if that opportunity presents itself and that um i am able to add value to that program um would would i love for someone to pay me to do what i'm passionate about <laughs> absolutely um but you know i have said all along that that my desire is to make sure that wherever i am whatever programs i'm in that i i am as i said adding value and a contributing member um you know if the riders wanted to uh, knock on my door and and put me on their coaching roster would i would i say no i'd probably be a fool
4: mm-hmm. um
1: you know but am i also very happy knowing that i'm, I'm working to develop um young people and i'm giving them that lifelong passion for sports it's also very rewarding
2: all right and lastly uh, a young uh, a young girl or woman listening to this what kind of advice do you have for them if they want to get into sports get into coaching
1: you know what it, don't wait till the right moment. Don't wait till it's perfect. Just do it now. Just start, and it will all start to fall into place as you continue to progress and to grow. The opportunities are out there. Just just hit go.
2: Claire Doré, thanks for all you do, and happy International Women's Day in sports.
1: Thank you very much, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about this very important stuff. Anytime.
2: Anytime. <laughs> Sports ticker at
3: 5.30 for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Tim Hortons-Briar, Team Saskatchewan's record, fell to 2-4 and four with a 9-3 loss to Northern Ontario in the morning draw. Saskatchewan will wrap up the group play tomorrow with two matches in the morning versus Northwest Territories and an afternoon draw versus Wild Card number 2. The Ottawa Senators will be without goaltender Cam Talbot for three weeks due to a mid-body injury DJ Smith announced on Wednesday. And the Mexico vs. USA World Baseball Classic game on Sunday at Chase Field in Arizona is sold out. The Diamondback Stadium holds close to 49,000 people. That's going to be quite the environment.
0: Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats. 620 CKRM.
2: Pat Chats brought to you by our friends at Canadian Brewhouse. Check out everything on their new menu at the CBH. Canadian Brew House. Dot com. You can check it out online. Tonight, Connor Bedard shoots for goal number 60 on the years. the Pats take on the lowly Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, Bedard, since having his 35-game point streak end on February 3rd, he's recorded 33 points, 15 goals in that time, over the last 11 games. All right, and uh, Stanislav Svozl. Has 19, or check that, five goals and 30 assists in 19 games since coming back from the World Juniors on January 13th. The Czechia product is first among defensemen in assists with 62, tied for first in points with 72. Our next guest was raving about him on Pat's TV. We'll catch up with Kelly Rempel next.
0: Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And just ahead of Kelly Remple,
2: the Silver Fox, Jim has called in patiently. We told him to call back because we had a couple of interviews back to back there. He wants to quickly point out a woman on Interna- International Women's Day. Go ahead, Jim.
11: Hi there. Well, my lady is somebody you may not have heard of, Julie Crone. Okay, She was one of the first jockeys to ever uh, ride in the United States. She broke the barrier for women jockeys. She won a triple crown race, which no woman has done, and she won a Breeders' Cup race. And uh, the interesting thing, I watched a documentary on her because she was like 90 pounds and a uh, very frail small girl, and uh, she couldn't get rides. I mean, she was an apprentice jockey. So the rides she got were on horses that other jockeys didn't want to ride. Hmm. They were maybe young horses or horses that hadn't been schooled or known to be bad actors in the gate. So that's where, so she had a lot of broken bones and things. But she stuck with it, and then she went on to be a broadcaster and an analyst on, uh, I think it was CBS, either ABC or CBS. And uh, anyway, she's still going. She's 59 years old, and uh, the story on her is, is really something. When she told her parents, I want to be a chalky, they said, yeah, you're 90 pounds. You want to climb onto a horse that's 200 2,000 pounds, Mm. and so she did her time as an exercise rider and uh, was uh, very successful, and she broke the ice for people like Emma J. Wilson and a lot of other female jockeys.
2: Thanks, Jim. I appreciate your addition to the show. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. All right, and from uh, one knowledgeable man to another, Kelly Remple joining us now. Kelly, give me a shout out for a woman in your life. I believe it's your wife Sonia, but uh, you got a great daughter too. Is in cheer.
5: Yep, I'm glad you brought that up. <clears throat> I was actually going to say to you, do you mind, since how you're talking about International Women's Day in sports, that I give a shout out to my daughter Ainsley. Uh, last year, for those that don't know this, and I know many people do, but I'm a proud dad. I can't help myself. Um, she's part of uh, a team called Rebels Smoke at the Rebels Cheerleading Academy here in Regina. Their team is called Smoke. They went to, um, got a bid to go to the World Cheerleading Championships in Orlando, Florida at the Y World of Sports Complex. It's an arena called the ESPN Center. And no Saskatchewan team, In the history of that event, no Saskatchewan team had ever made it to the finals on the Monday. So on the Saturday and Sunday, you get all these teams, and there might be 30 or 40 in a division, and the final eight all make it to the Monday. Just to make it to the Monday is a huge accomplishment. And they not only made it to the Monday, they won it. So a world champion. To be able to say that your daughter is a world champion, Ballsy, you just have no idea.
2: No, it's outstanding, man. So, uh, good on Ainsley. And your wife runs a very successful uh, business as well, Sonia. She's a great lady, too.
5: She certainly is. Now, you know, a great high school basketball player back in the day, but she would admit that to play university youth sport basketball Mm -hmm. takes an absolute, like... (laughs) So much crazy commitment she wasn't quite willing to go that far but she's been very successful uh, in the world of business so i'm proud of her too
2: yeah studio s if we didn't have women we'd have nothing because men do not have a gorilla monsoon yes i uh, used to say the intestinal fortitude to have kids let's be honest <laughs>
5: <laughs> hey, hey. Well, you and I certainly don't.
2: Oh, no, that's for sure. Hey, uh, you did uh, a ring announcing again for Brad Hart's kid at the old Pavilion in Calgary. Man, you are smiling like a butcher's dog over there.
5: Dungeon wrestling. <clears throat> They're doing another one on April the seventh. Not quite sure whether I'm going to make that one or not, but um, I'm hoping to. But we'll see. But yeah, on Good Friday. But yeah, it was awesome. I got to tell you that. If, I don't know how serious that Brett's son, Dallas, is, is, you know, about taking it or how far he wants to go, but i got to say that it was... You know what it was for me, Ballsy? I, I just to uh, mm-hmm. give you maybe a little longer answer to the question you were asking me. Just to be in the ring as the ring announcer... And doing interviews with these guys and cutting promos and having the microphone and sort of kind of guiding the evening. I don't want to call it MC. I was the ring announcer. But in a lot of ways, that's what you do. To do it in the Calgary Pavilion, it was almost like somebody needed to pinch me to make sure that it was I was actually – it was surreal for me. Mm-hmm. And as my buddy – as Lombardi, as our friend Peter Lombardi has said – it really struck him when we were sitting in the pavilion and he was looking at the doors. You know what I mean? You remember yeah. all those years you would have been sitting on your grandpa's knee watching Stampede Wrestling from way back in the 80s, and you'd have been looking at the TV and behind the ring though the, there were those doors that used mm-hmm. to open and close, to be sitting in the building and, and see that and go, I'm actually calling matches in the building that I watched Stampede Wrestling for what felt like years and years. It was surreal. Like I it was one of the great things. And so many of the wrestlers there were willing to fly from all over the place. The dynamite kids' nephews flew from England and they're willing to do it for not a lot of money just to wrestle at the Calgary Pavilion.
2: It's a mecca. So
5: it's not just guys like you and I.
2: It's no. the actual wrestlers. No, that's awesome. man. I used to I used to love and hate Stampede Wrestling because Ed Whalen, we get the match fired up, and then he then there'd be some blood and he'd be like, oh no, it's a family program. We can't do this. And they'd go to break, and when they'd come back, Kerry Brown would have like a towel wrapped around his head, or he'd be ready for or he'd be ready for the main event, and Bruce Hart would come out and he'd go, I wanted to wrestle, but I couldn't because they jumped me in the parking lot
5: right here now next week pillar to post i'll take you down like i just it was hilarious man hey well and the, and the other the other little marketing scheme they always used to have is if they were going to have a cage match yeah the following week or they were going to have a chain match or something yeah they would say they would make it clear that there's going to be so much blood that the match will not be shown on TV, so it forced people
2: to come down and buy a ticket. Oh, yeah, you'd have honky tonk. Well, he was honky tonk Wayne then. Blood's gonna flow like wine, Ed. It was great. I loved it. Hey, hey, we could talk wrestling all day long, and we will one day maybe. But yeah, yeah. you were on Pat's TV, and you were jumping out of the TV set. You know, we could talk about Bedard and Suzdalev and how and some of the great goaltending we've seen, but let's talk about St- and the man, Stanislav Spozel. I know you had high praise for him. That guy is slick back there.
5: Uh, I, you know what? I've been a fan of his all year, but I, I I was a little over the top on Pat's TV this week because there were there were several passes that he made in the games that I saw this weekend where you, you just have to sit in awe of this guy. I mean, his peripheral vision and his ability to be able to ride off a checker, to be able to look at the defender, look at the goalie, and then throw a pass that it would appear is pretty much just a see seat- pass
2: Lost them. We lost them. We lost them. Oh well, basically, basically what he was saying was uh, a seam pass across to Connor Bedard, and uh, Bedard would score the goal. I know the one he's talking about. So uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Stanislav Sposil. Like I said, Sposil's got five goals, thirty helpers in nineteen games uh, since coming back from the World Juniors. We'll get Kelly Rempel on again. Uh, he's going to be, I believe, joining Dante DeCaria tonight, if I'm not mistaken, on the broadcast. So you'll get more of Kelly Rempel. And if you miss them here or on our airwaves, you can catch them on Pat's TV. When we come back, we'll be back to wrap up with our friend Jason Claremont in the Where Are They Now segment for Floor Coverings International here on 620 CKRM.
3: This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. March 8th, 1930, Babe Ruth signs a two-year contract with the Yankees worth $160,000, after which GM Ed Barrow proclaimed that no one will ever be paid more. Boy, was he wrong.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
2: Just before our Where Are They Now segment for Floor Coverings International, we lost them. It's like cutting off Don Cherry. You can't do it. So we got a minute left. Kelly Rempel, finish your thought on Spozo. Loop in the net, and then we lost you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know what happened there, to be honest with you. I might have
5: talked for 45 seconds before <laughs> I realized that I was... Anyway, no. I was, what I was getting at when my with the Pats TV thing was this guy's ability to be able to see the ice, distribute the puck, and, and it would be like a quarterback throwing the ball way down the field, but he's throwing it way over to his right, and he wasn't even looking at that direction. His ability and others to be able to do that is something that I've always thought was just unbelievable. The guy's riding a... 10-game point-scoring streak. WHL Player of the Week. I think he had a goal and 7 assists for 8 points. Um, I I didn't realize this until Dante brought this up to me the other day. This guy has a chance to become the first defenseman since Connor Hobbs in 17 to get 85 points. And do you remember a guy by the name of Darren Veach? Yep. So he's going to be... A guy who the last time that you would have seen a Pats defenseman finish here with a higher points per game than Darren Veach, who's a Pats defensive legend from way back in the early 80s, is Stanislaus Schlossel. Wow,
2: yeah, Veach, a former <laughs> former Detroit Red Wing. and yeah, yeah, this guy could have Eric Carlson-like numbers. Hey, enjoy the hockey game tonight. Kelly, we'll catch up with you next week, okay, my friend?
5: Take care, ballsy. Sorry about the uh, whatever the heck that
2: was. Don't be sorry, man. Don't be sorry. It's all good. Hey, this uh, this is Wednesday, and Wednesday rolls around. It is our Where Are They Now? And it is brought to you by our friends at Floor Coverings International. Need new flooring? Floor Coverings International at the Design Hub in North Regina. Brings a showroom to you with thousands of samples. Visit FloorCoveringsInternational.com today. Here is a chat we had during the season with a guy who is regina football royalty in the real estate game jason claremont
0: they're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud the names that help define us inspire us and build the game that we all love each wednesday on the sports cage we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard this is where are they now
10: this is one of my favorites. I'll tell you that right now. This is a, a star Canadian slot back uh, for so many years in the Canadian Football League. And joining us is Jason Claremont. Saskatchewan fans will know very, very well all the accomplishments uh, for you, Jason. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of Where Are They Now? So, where, you, I know you're in town, but where and what are you doing at, at this point in your life?
15: Yeah. So I um, own a real estate company here in Regina. It's called JC Realty. Uh, we have our building on Albert Street uh, in between 14th and 15th Avenue. And we've got I think 11 agents that work here uh, with me and mm-hmm. a couple of admin staff. And uh, I'm the broker owner uh, with my partner, Jim Christie. Uh, That's the JC as we both have the same initials Yeah. and uh, business is going well.
10: Awesome, awesome. So, so people can, if if they need to, you know, talk about uh, real estate, what do they? How do they get hold of you?
15: <laughs> JCRealty or just uh, Google us and you'll you'll be able to find us. Awesome.
10: Favorite memory? Let's let's just start right there. Favorite memory of your time in football over ten years?
15: Oh, it's it would have to be the Grey Cup win in uh, two thousand and six in Winnipeg with the BC Lions uh, over the Montreal Alouettes. That's mm-hmm. probably the pinnacle of of my career in the CFL.
10: What do you miss most about playing?
15: It's going to sound weird, Glenn, but like my favorite thing that I that I still have dreams about like, you know, how sometimes you go to sleep and you'll you'll have dreams that you're late for a game or yes. you know, those types of things. <laughs> you know, I think all ex-athletes have that where you just can't get on the field, you can't find your shoes or whatever's going on. That's, you know, that's one that pops up, but the other is um pass skeleton like I absolutely loved doing pass skeleton and for those who don't know that's like the seven on seven you take the big defensive and offensive lineman out of the game and you just work on your passing game in practice and I loved it so much that even when I was uh you know a featured player on the Lions I would always go grab a penny and try to be the other team's star receiver when we were doing scout team for servicing our starting defense, just to get those reps, because that was the funnest thing. It
10: was, it was great to work on your fundamentals through that drill too. Let me, let, let me ask you this. Can you rank one and two, or let's say one and one A of the quarterbacks you played with? In your career, oh,
15: I'm not I'm not going to go there. I played with so many good quarterbacks. Well, tell me tell me about them.
10: Tell me about the guys. Yeah, you,
15: yeah. So I started my career with the Lions with uh, Damon Allen as a quarterback. Wow, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, his backup was Ricky Foggy. Okay, and I'm sure you played against those guys.
10: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
15: And so I had uh, Damon Allen, and I, I got to sit in the room and and work with the Fog Dog on you know learning the game, and uh, then from there. Wally Bono came in and took over from Steve Barato and Adam Rita, and uh, he brought with him Dave Dickinson. and so I played with Dave, who was wow. you know, obviously he's a Hall of Fame guy. yeah um, And then we were able to find Casey printers and Darius Jackson's, Virgin Wynn, Buck Pierce, and then obviously when I came to Saskatchewan, uh, you know I played with Stephen Giles and Darian Durant were fighting for that uh, starting spot in my first year in 2009 and uh it ended up where Darian kind of came out on top played with uh, doubles and met some great guys uh Cole Berquist Ryan Dinwiddie who's now you know the coach of the Toronto yes. Argonauts and so some some really good uh, football players along the way as well Graham Harrell like just a bunch of really good college level football players and ended up a lot of them ended up being really good uh, in the CFL
10: yeah yeah tell, tell me about Darian Durant and what kind of teammate he was
15: just tough man he was just tough as nails and and worked so hard, and, and just really, really enjoyed winning. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could do everything. He could, uh, you know, he could set up the, the the run game with his with his footwork and his and his play fakes. Uh, he could uh, run the football himself, and uh, he could see the field and he could make every throw.
4: Mm-hmm.
10: It started with the Rams when they were a junior program. And the direction I want to go here uh, with you, Jason, is is that Andrew Harris right now has just crossed into 10,000 yards rushing. He's one of just six players now to get to 10,000 yeah. yards rushing, coming out of a junior football program on Vancouver Island in Nanaimo, uh, Victoria Raiders, or Vancouver Island Raiders. Um, you came through a junior program when the Rams were junior football. Uh, yeah. Just the importance of, of Canadians in the Canadian football league. You've listened to the offseason. Just your thoughts on that.
15: Yeah, so I actually um, played a little bit with Andrew Harris. He was a territorial pick for us when I was with the Lions. He came over and did some slot back. I think he was playing, you know, a high receiver. He played quarterback, I think, even Mm -hmm. on the island. They just put him everywhere that they could get the ball in his hands, but played some slot back uh, with us um, the one year there and uh, just a hell of an athlete and just needed some time to kind of find his way into that um, running back role that he's done so well. And I think that's kind of where – that Canadian football player really needs uh, you know, really needs that ratio to be able to get their foot in the door. Like for myself, I made the lions by, I was a third string long snapper. I tried to find my niche on the special teams and um, blocked a punt in a preseason game, blocked a Bob Cameron punt in the preseason game that we took for a touchdown and kind of sealed my, my spot on the roster uh, to be, you know, a special team backup receiver. And we went one in five. And I ended up, you know, finding my way onto this into a starting role and won the rookie of the year that year. But I wouldn't have. I don't think I'd have made that team if it wasn't for the ratio and if it wasn't for you know focusing on how I could get my foot in the door, being a special team player. Because the Canadian players, uh, and it's different now because the level of uh, of play in the CIS mm-hmm. or U Sports, sorry, is uh, so much stronger than it was when I played. Um, but the level, the, the difference between uh, what was CIAU or CIS and is now U Sport in Canada at college level, and the NCAA. There was such a, a wide gap. Those those players who were coming up against NCAA had an advantage because they had played against strong caliber competition for so much longer. So mm-hmm. as a Canadian player, that's why sometimes we need you know that you know a couple weeks, couple months, couple seasons to be able to climatize to the skill, to the speed, to the strength all the nuance of the game to find your way and then be able to be an impact player.
10: Yeah, I I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I've I've said this on the radio, I've said it on television, and I want to get your opinion and see if you agree that um, I wouldn't have got a chance to play uh, it, without the Canadian ratio. I don't think Randy Ambrosi would have played without the Canadian ratio. I don't think... Um, and Davis Sanchez has said the same thing. It, it gave you that... In that you could then show and develop within a year or two, because they won't wait much longer than that, but within a year or two you better do something to 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 earn your spot on the roster, could you have played without the would you have played without the Canadian ratio because I don't think I would have:
15: yeah, I don't think I would have either um, you know it's it's tough because i I didn't have NFL trials mm-hmm. until uh, 2004, so I had you know I tried out with five different NFL teams that year. But that was because I was able to play in a league that had that NCAA caliber competition, right. um, with those you know type of great football players, and you had to take it up to another level to play pro, whether it was CFL or NFL or Arena Football League. Actually, uh, there's a there's a player that I played with in BC. His name was Deshaun Austin, mm-hmm. and uh, when guys would talk about, you know, there'd be all these great college players come up from NCAA, and they just wouldn't take their game to the next level, and they they would just ride their their accomplishments from when they were in college and you know there was one guy who was getting cut that was arguing that who he was in college and Deshaun Austin said college pff, that was kind of easy college is kind of easy don't talk <laughs> about college no more that's kind of easy right I was like you're kind of right yeah like you, you you can't just rest your 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 hat on what you did in college because there's so many great college level players even from the U.S. Mm-hmm. that come up and they just don't take it to the next level yeah yeah Canadians need need to you know they, they've already had that high-level competition, and they plateaued. They, they reached their peak, whereas the Canadian kids, if you don't give them that chance to get their foot in the door, and the league has it set up the correct way. Yeah. Because when you're a draft player and you come in, you're a non-counter, meaning you don't count towards that roster spot until the end of camp. So they give you a chance to try to you know get your feet wet in that league. And then if you make the team, the next year you're a counter, meaning you, you can get cut. They, they need to get that roster spot down to a certain number. You count the same as an American player. So it's set up already the correct way.
10: Jason Claremont. Jason, thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. That's where are they now from the season,
2: but we thought we'd rerun it. Where are they now Wednesday here? Jason Claremont with Glenn Suter. That'll do it for Wednesday show. Tomorrow, man, we've got some legends. A legend in the making. Connor Bedard will join us. Arash Madani watching some legendary baseball players in the World Baseball Classic from Arizona. And we've got George Reed and Jim Hobson in studio for most of the four o'clock hour. It's gonna be outstanding. That and much, much more tomorrow on the sports cage. But first, let's uh, catch up with Cody Glyden.
0: Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at SportsCage.ca Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.